You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? This is the Decoding Success Podcast, and you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. What is going on? Really excited to have you, really grateful to have you, because we are amplifying the message of an absolutely incredible individual yet again here on our show. And listen, we're stoked to have you here rocking with us so that we're able to add some value to your day and help you finish off 2019 on the best note possible. And on that note, I cannot believe we're already in November, almost in December. The holidays are right around the corner. Absolutely just years flying by. The year is absolutely flying by. And partially why it feels like it's flying by is because we've had the opportunity to host such amazing individuals on this show week in and week out. And today is no different. Today we are joined by Heather Monahan, who is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and founder of Boss in Heels. Now, having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for nearly 20 years, Heather is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C-suite. As a former chief revenue officer in media, she is a glass ceiling award winner. She was named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017 and Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. Heather's book, Confidence Creator, shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list the first week it debuted on Amazon. Heather is a confidence expert and is currently working with Fortune 500 companies and professional sports teams to develop confidence in the workplace and on the court. She's also a member of Florida International University's Advisory Council to further serve as a mentor and leader in the South Florida community. Heather's new show, Creating Confidence, debuted on the top 200 shows on Apple Podcasts, and I have to just throw it in there. The show is absolutely amazing. I highly suggest checking it out, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. Heather's work has been featured in US USA Today, CNN, Forbes, Fast Company, and Business News Daily, most recently adding guest professor at Harvard to her list of accomplishments, and she is bringing all of her experiences, insights, knowledge, wisdom, all of that good stuff, she's bringing it here to you today on Decoding Success, and we are really excited to get into that in just a little bit. With that said, we want to give a huge shout out to our partners who help make this show happen. Firstly, we want to give a huge shout out to Jen M. Now, if you are someone that's just getting started in entrepreneurship, if you're a decision maker in a larger company, if you're in the C-suite just like Heather was, listen, if you're looking to grow your team and you want to do it in an effective and affordable manner, Jen M is giving you the opportunity to do so. Now, personally, I use them here at my branding agency, 1B Branding in New York City, and it is absolutely phenomenal. They have been able to provide me with remote marketing interns. And again, the word remote. They are not in my office. They work from wherever they are in the country. Or if you're out of the country, if you're out of the US, maybe you're in Canada, maybe you're in the UK, wherever you are, there are interns on the platform for you. All you do is head over to their platform, which you could find the link in the show notes of this episode. Head over 
over to their platform. They have an amazing database of interns ready to work for you based on the needs that are around your business, whether that's graphic design, SEO, website design, whatever the case is, I promise you they have it. Everything from social medias and beyond, they have it on the platform. They will work 10 hours per week for you for 90 days and this cost less than $200 per quarter. It is absolutely amazing and again, it is effective and it is affordable. Companies like Airbnb use it outside of companies like mine. It is absolutely amazing. So if you're interested and want to check it out, you can head over to the show notes of this episode and click the link. The link is kind of funky, so I don't want to say it and I'm not expecting you to have a pen in your hand ready to write it down. Although you should approach podcasts like that, by the way, you should want to take notes as you'll hear me say in this episode. But with that said, you can find the link in the show notes of this episode. Again, shout out to Jen M for bringing value to all of our community members and one more partner that has been bringing value since day one. And listen, we've almost been doing this for 365 days already. We are approaching December 4th, and that is exactly when this show kicked off. And we've been rocking with Audible ever since the beginning. Now, if you have already claimed your complimentary, no strings attached, totally free 99 audiobook. You might want to pass this on to one of your friends, especially going into the new year. It is the season of giving, right? Or the quote unquote season of giving, although that should be all year round. Regardless, if you have already claimed your completely free complimentary audiobook from Audible and our partnership with them, then I'm asking you to pass this on. But if you haven't, Decoding Success and Audible have teamed up to deliver everyone that's tuned into our episodes a completely free, like I said, no strings attached audiobook of your choice. Any audiobook on the Audible platform can be yours today for completely nothing, for absolutely nothing. All you have to do is head over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success You can find the link in the show notes of this episode. And then this is honestly the best way to optimize your net time outside of podcasts, whether you're on the bus, you're commuting, you're driving, you're in the gym, you're laying on the beach, you're on the plane, traveling to Europe, whatever you're doing, this is an amazing way to optimize your net time. So once more, head over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success or check out the link in the show notes of this episode to claim your completely free, totally complimentary, no strings attached audiobook. Now, without further ado, we bring to you Heather Monahan. Heather, first and foremost, super excited to have you here, really grateful to have you here and to amplify your message today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, first question, this is exactly how we kick off every show, is personally, how do you define success? Oh, wow. That's a big question. So at this point in my life, I would, I would classify success as a combination of many things, you know, taking care of your health and and putting yourself first, as well as excelling in whatever work it is that, you know, is your passion and purpose in life while deriving revenue from that. So you're able to do the things that you want to do and finding time to be with your family and friends. Certainly. I absolutely love that now. Yes, that was a very loaded question. And now I have more questions all around that. So firstly, how do you find yourself, number one, staying on track, right? Because you you talked about a whole lot there. You talked about your health. Now, you know, when you're focusing on your health and you have business and this, that, or the other, like it's just a whole lot. So how do you find yourself staying on track to continuously achieve that definition of success? 
Well, I'll tell you, as far as health goes, I'm really disciplined. I've seen myself not work out and it, it's not beneficial to my mind, my creativity or you know, physically, I just get drained and feel tired all the time and don't feel good about myself. So when I'm in Miami, which is where I live, I work out every single day. It's just the most cathartic thing for me. My challenges come in around travel and really trying to maximize work when I'm traveling. So that can be tough for me sometimes. I, you know, I am a single mom, so I spend a ton of time with my son alone whenever I'm in town. And that's really a top priority to me. So that's pretty easy. And then now, since I've worked for myself for the past two years, it didn't used to be this way for me. When I was in corporate America, I was working, you know, for a publicly traded company. I definitely wasn't living my purpose or passion that I was kind of living for the paycheck back then, but it's different now. And then I'm really following my heart, my instincts and my passion. And I feel great about the work I do every day. I get the most unbelievable feedback. So a big part of it is, you know, how you're spending your time when you're working, because it really shifts how you feel about everything overall. When you have the chance to do so, you really work out seven days a week. Oh yeah. Because like I said, I travel a lot too. So I've been gone for the past five days. I just got back to town and I, I wasn't able to work out the whole time I was gone. So now I'll be here for six days straight. I'll work out every single day and then I'll be gone for two days. I probably won't be able to work out, you know, so to me it, it levels out, uh, over time, but for sure, whenever I'm home, that's happening. Now, what does a workout look like for you? Are you like this, hey, let me go take a jog on the beach now that you're in Miami? Or, you know, are you like some high intensity interval training type of chick? So <laughs> to me, you know, I threw out my back when I was in corporate America. I'm 45 now and I threw out my back when I was 41, maybe, maybe 42. And it was, I think it was from a combination of stress, you know, just not putting myself first, being unhappy in a toxic environment. However, back then and for my entire life, I've done high intensity boot camp, kickboxing, you know, running really aggressive workouts my whole life. And I love them. But since I, I was injured, I've been very, very cautious because hurting your back is so serious, especially when you're older, you know, that you want to make sure you heal and, and take care of yourself. So I've dialed things back a bit the past couple of years and I primarily spin because I can't get injured doing that. If I run, I only run on a treadmill that has, you know, um, cushioning and just really about looking out for myself. And I do bar class because I can't get injured doing that either. I love it. I love it. Now, do you see any difference? And the reason I bring this up is because we had an amazing individual hop on the show and we were kind of talking about stress. And in the topic of stress, we were talking about exercise and it came up that to one way to really help yourself level up when it comes to how much stress you can handle is doing high intensity interval training and things like that. Do you see any correlation between the two when it comes to you training that way and the amount of quote unquote stress you take on in life, like how you actually deal with that? I do, but that's not the only way to eradicate stress, right? So that is one way and that works for some people. However, when you're injured, you have to find new ways. So I found meditation. I found yoga. Now when I'm spinning, I, I let go of stress. It really depends on where I'm, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's people in wheelchairs that need to find ways to alleviate stress. It, it isn't just one way that happens to be a way that I did in my past, but it definitely is not the only way. There are so many different ways to, to do it. For sure. For sure. Interesting. Okay. So 
When I asked you, how do you define success now? You said at this point, right? So I'm curious, how have you seen your definition of success develop over time? Like walk us through your journey and the evolution of Heather. Well, when I was younger, it was definitely correlated with a title and money you know, amount of responsibility, how many hundreds of millions you're responsible for, how much you're getting paid, you know, the performance um, of the stock price of the company that you're leading. Those were the big indicators to me that you were successful. But over the years, it's, you know, having a child and, you know, there's so many influences in my life that allowed me to see that wasn't the only thing that mattered. Now, growing up, were your goals always to go corporate? Did you have any other dreams? Like, did you want to be like a singer or something? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So growing up, I grew up in a very poor family and I just thought dreams were just that, a dream. It wasn't something you should spend time on. I needed to spend time on a paper route, you know, working fast food restaurants, bussing tables, waitressing. I started working when I was nine and I never looked back. I just always chased a paycheck because I wanted to create income so that I wouldn't have to struggle like my family had. So I came from things from a very different perspective and mindset. I I just didn't even believe there was a possibility and pursuing dreams. It just didn't seem realistic to me. So knowing that, that really showcases why I chose the path that I did, why I went the corporate America path, you know, all of that seemed clear and available. And in my opinion, back then I thought, wow, there's tremendous revenues available here for me. I can see where I'm supposed to go. I can see that linear path to move up, which made me feel safe. In hindsight, you know, I never thought of being an entrepreneur or doing something more creative. I didn't see revenue attached to that the same way I saw it in corporate America. So I was somewhat following, you know, the, you know, general population, the majority of people that go that way. And now having the ability to look back and connect those dots, you know, I could have made much, much more money had I gone out on my own, had I had that confidence and courage to do that at a younger age. What were you doing at nine years old? You said your first job was at nine? I was um, delivering papers when I was nine. And then I started bussing tables, you know, when I was probably 12. And when I was 15, I was working at a fast food restaurant. And then I went right into waitressing, I think when I was 16. Wow. Wow. I give you so much credit. That is incredible. You were hustling from the beginning, huh? For sure. Yeah. (laughs) So how was corporate America? Like, how did that treat you? So... You know, there's, I spent over 20 years in corporate America. So there's no doubt that I learned a tremendous amount. I had a tremendous amount of success in corporate America. My first big job in corporate America was when I was 24 and I was given an opportunity to run a $25 million radio entity in Michigan. And I turned it into a $55 million property in under three years and really made a name for myself, which was a catalyst for me to go to a publicly traded company. And I pitched myself for a job that didn't exist, VP of sales. I was awarded the position. Uh, Beginning then, when I started with the company, we were billing $100 million annually and I was there for 14 years. Over that time, I was promoted three different times to the highest level. I was a chief revenue officer, the C-suite, you know, second to the CEO. And when I left that company, we, I was billing more than $200 million annually. So we had more than doubled the annual 
revenues for the company. I had received a ton of awards and, and great feedback. And so I guess corporate America was an interesting dynamic because I, during that time, I was sexually harassed. I was bullied. I, I was definitely a target from another woman who eventually fired me. So I had some positive experience and some very negative experiences in, in corporate America. Wow. And, you know, first and foremost, you know, you are a corporate trailblazer on top of everything else you've done to be able to progress and climb that ladder the way you have. I give you so much credit for that. And you mentioned that corporate taught you a lot. So what do you feel like was your biggest takeaway from working in corporate for the 20 plus years? Well, it taught me so many different things. Really, it helped me to hone in my sales expertise. You know, to I began in sales when I was 21. So I was riding the trucks for Gallo Winery, you know, delivering wine as part of sales training when I was 21 years old. So I learned business from the ground up. I learned the back end of how operations worked and how to treat customers and how to position your products and marketing. You know, that sales experience was so valuable. Valuable. And then going into the radio biz- business and selling air, you know, when you're selling an intangible, it became clear to me, wow, selling wine was a lot easier. People could see it and taste it. Now I'm selling something that I'm just having a conversation about that no one can see or touch. And that's one of the most challenging things to do. So it really set me up for this amazing career that I have now, because now that I'm out of corporate America, my job is to sell me a real live breeding person to give speeches, which is you know something very easy to do, to sell books, to sell courses, to sell partnerships, all those things exist. So what I sell now is so much easier than what I was selling for, you know, two decades. I mean, I personally believe that we have to sell every day. So my question to you would be, what would you tell someone to help convince them that we have to sell daily, right? Whether that is ourselves and as as silly as this sounds in regards to maybe getting a date with a chick or, or, or something of that nature. Yeah. So I don't want to convince anyone of that. If you choose to bury your head in the sand and not sell, you know, kudos to you because if you're not selling, you're being sold. And that's fact. In every exchange, one person is either selling the other or the other selling them. And let me give you an example of that. You go to the post office and they say, oh, you missed cutoff. Well, that person just sold you that you missed cutoff. Did you really? Or are they trying to get out of there a few minutes early, right? So in any exchange, you can accept what someone else tells you and and you're being sold, or you can sell them on your issue, your challenge, and why you need their help and why you're asking for a small favor and, you know, and becoming relatable. And when you approach life in that regard, you can achieve so much more. It's mind-blowing to watch different people approach the same situation. And a good example of that is actually a chapter in my book. I have a friend, we were at the Miami Dolphins game and she went up to ask for a plastic cup for her husband at the concession stand and came back to me and said, they don't give out plastic cups, Heather. Can you go work your magic? What she meant is, I was just sold that they will not give me a plastic cup Heather, I know you will sell them. So please approach and fix it for me. And so I did. But the thing is, she could just as easily develop and hone her skills as a salesperson. She's chosen not to try. She gave right up and came and passed the baton to me. But for me, you know, I just really stepped into this power of sales. And it's so interesting because now that I'm an author, 
the first thing that I did when I became an author was Google, how do you sell books? I didn't know. I was curious. And what I found out was the majority of books that are out there aren't sold because the people who wrote them aren't great salespeople. And so what I... I did was I put everything that I had learned about sales to work for me and my strategy and my business for being an author and my book took off. So it, that's such a great example of no one thinks of an author as having to be a good salesperson, but if you are a good salesperson and you have a good book, your book's going to blow up and explode. And that's just you know one very small example of, of how sales can come into play in situations that you might not be thinking of. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really powerful. Honestly, like it's either we're being sold or we're, we're selling. So I totally agree with you there. Now, you know, you transitioned out of corporate. What was that transition like for you? It was awful. I had been at that company for 14 years. I had, you know, a, a massive staff across the country that I had built during that time. I had done such a great job. I'd won so many awards and I was fired as soon as the CEO became ill and appointed his daughter as his replacement. And it was very unexpected for me. So I'd never been fired in my life. I'm definitely an overachiever. And driving home from that office was a horrible feeling, not knowing what I was going to do, knowing I was 43 years old, you know, all the negative thoughts came into my head. How am I going to pay my bills? Where do I go from here? It, you know, is this it for me? You know, how do I turn this around? It was a really negative time and space for me. So how did you find yourself operating through that negative time and space, you know, especially with those emotions, right? Those self-deprecating thoughts, the potential of fear and worry and all those things creeping in. How did you find yourself operating through all of that? Well, the first thing I didn't realize was the, the day that woman fired me, I actually fired a villain from my life. I didn't realize it at the time, but this woman had hated me for years and I was in a toxic environment working alongside with her. She was a relative to the CEO at the time. I wasn't. So it was always this negative push and pull and second guessing myself. And I had been chipping away at my own confidence for the past two years in that position and in that negative environment. So that day that I fired her from my life, removing that negative person allowed positive people to start showing up almost instantly. The other thing I did to really jumpstart that was within 24 hours of getting fired, I realized no one knew what had happened. And so I took to social media and I posted about getting fired and how much it hurt and how I needed help. I asked for help. I allowed myself to be vulnerable and step into the shame that I was you know, feeling that being fired is shameful. And instead what I learned is being fired is not shameful. Being fired is taking you out of a position that somebody doesn't want you in. So now you can start finding somewhere where you are wanted, where you will feel better. And countless people showed up to help me. And that really was the catalyst to start getting me out of that funk and reframing getting fired as being in good company. So what did it take for you to, to show that vulnerability? Because oftentimes we look at social media and we just see the highlights of everyone's lives. And clearly you exemplified, you know, not necessarily a highlight, but in, in a way it was as well, right? As you were just explaining. So what did it take for you to actually get vulnerable and open up? just listening to my instinct. As soon as I did it, you know, to me, it made perfect sense. If nobody knows 
I'm available and can be hired, then how is anyone going to, you know, put, you know, potentially talk to me about business or opportunities? I likened it to dating. If no one knows you're single, no one's going to ask you out. I need to let the world know I'm available. And so to me, it made perfect sense. However, I had so many close friends message me immediately saying, take that down. It looks really pathetic. You look weak. And I thought, you know what? I don't see it that way. So I'm going to keep the post up. And that post went viral. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally think it shows a lot of confidence if someone could put stuff out there into the world. And listen, I mean, quite often we're going to have people say things like that to us. And I think that it makes it even more confident of a person to be able to do something like that. So on the topic of confidence, I would love to dive into that topic, that topic exactly. And to make the moves you've already made, whether that was creating a job for yourself that didn't even exist or even working at such a young age, that's absolutely remarkable. I would love to know what confidence confidence actually means to you? So confidence really means to me, it's that inner feeling that, you know, when you're walking into a room, it doesn't matter if the people you're walking into like you or don't like you. It matters that you're showing up as you. You know, for a long time, I would try to change who I was or adapt to different things. And, and that's really insecurity and lack of confidence. You know, confidence is about showing up as yourself in heels and flip-flops and purple hair, whoever you are, how you feel you're representing yourself to the most truest, regardless of what anyone else thinks. A hundred percent. Now, do you feel that confidence is something that you're born with or is it something that could be developed? I definitely think confidence is created. It's not given. It's something that you can learn and then you can unlearn as well, right? Because if you find yourself, maybe as a child, you were in a healthy relationship with your parents and your teachers and, and everything was going great and you felt really confident and strong. And then maybe you went into work and you were in a negative environment and people were putting you down and, and suddenly you were losing your confidence. It can ebb and flow, you know, based upon Maybe you're confident at work. Maybe you're not confident in relationships. You know, there. It, to me, I don't see it as just a static entity that you're born with that exists forever. What do you feel like was a time in your life where confidence stemmed from or a time you've developed confidence? We've kind of already talked about a few, but is there anything else? Yeah, now. I mean, for me, I'm without a doubt. It's funny. I saw my old boss, the one that I was an equity partner with when I was in my early 20s, and we met up for drinks the other day. And he said, Heather, I've known you, you know, for more than two decades. And he said, I have to tell you, I love this new version 2.0. And what he meant by that is it, he said, you're the most confident version of yourself I have ever seen. He said, looking back then, I thought you were confident on the outside looking in. He said, but you would always try to be loud or aggressive or, you know, I would be doing things to push myself because I wasn't confident in myself. And now seeing how I've evolved and changed, he was applauding it. And it really took me to look inwards myself to see that. And, and having that perspective gives me more confidence to know, wow, I've really... I've overcome so much adversity. I've had so many low moments. However, I put those low moments to work for me to create more confidence and now working for myself, stepping into that fear, taking a chance on me and making that leap of faith, that's created more confidence for me than anything I've ever done. I mean, I think I said it to you the other day in our email exchange, like when you sent over the picture to use for social use to promote this episode, I mean, I literally said that you're smile, your aura in a freaking picture was radiating confidence, which is absolutely amazing. So I'm curious if you could put it into like three steps, what would you recommend for someone to help build confidence in themselves? 
Well, first of all, it's important for everyone to know that everyone has different hangups, right? So it's very hard to say there's three steps. If I had to say three steps, I'd have to go general and just say confidence is a three-step process. It's, it starts, number one, with your beliefs. So the first thing would be beliefs. The second thing is about the actions that you take. And the third thing is about the knowledge that you access. So those are not specific steps, but those are broad categories that under which each one believes action and knowledge, those different entities and, and steps underneath it would allow someone to create confidence. For me, the best thing I did was fire the villain from my life, right? So some people that have someone negative in their life that's chipping away at their confidence over time, getting rid of that person from your life will truly allow your confidence to soar. And I do call it firing the villains, making a list of the people you need to fire and get rid of and giving yourself a deadline, holding yourself accountable. That's a huge step. For some people, they're speaking negatively to themselves all day long. They're the villain in their own mind. And when that's the case, you need to write down on a piece of paper the things that you're currently saying, and then you need to create another list, which is a list of the things that you want to say to yourself. I love myself. I am enough. I am confident. I am intelligent. I am creative. I am deserving. Whatever that is. And then you need to start reading it. Frequency sells. So any, this is how media works, advertising works. The more you hear a message, the more it's going to permeate your mind, your subconscious, you're going to start believing it. So if you're constantly saying, I suck, I blew it again you're going to believe that. And over time, that is going to chip away your confidence. But it's very easy to change when it's your own voice. You're in control of that. You just need to start practicing. And there's a minimum frequency used in media at seven times a day. You need to reach a person with messaging seven times a day to really have an impact on them. So do that for yourself. And seven times a day, read that list and write it down and read it in the mirror and get an image of yourself maybe one time in your life where you did feel good about yourself. Yourself and envision yourself in that moment now and start creating and visualizing that future that you're going to be living because you are reframing and changing that, that repertoire you're playing in your mind. I love that. Actionable advice. That is the best type of advice. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that. And I have a few more questions for you. The first one being, what is a question you wished more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Uh, I guess more around how it is being a single mother because I don't see many powerful women out there as single mothers. I see a lot of powerful women in our world married or in very serious long-term relationships with very high-profile men. I don't even know any that come to mind that are single mothers that are able to execute at a high level and have a lot of success monetarily, business, etc. So to me, I guess I would want to answer more questions around that because there's a massive amount of women out there and men that are single parents and know that struggle and that struggle is real. So let, let's go into that. I mean, what, what is it like being a single mother? I know, I mean, I'm not a parent by any means, but you know, I, I could tell that being a parent is a full-time job and especially that, you know, you're performing at a high level. What's that like? What does it take? So for me, what it took was starting to trust other people because no one can do it alone. And having to admit that 
to yourself, number one, is very, very hard. A lot of people feel to blame when they get divorced or if they have a child out of wedlock and they're feeling negative and chipping away at their confidence during that time. And it's about reworking, reframing that and instead finding people you can trust, that you can tap and lean on and increasing that circle because it takes a village to raise a child. And if you're like me and you travel for work and you do have a career and you're responsible for bills, you've got to have that support system in place. And sometimes if people you're paying to be there, that's okay. You know, my son has an amazing relationship with his babysitter. She's like a sister to him. And I'm so grateful they have that relationship. It's so different than the one I have with him. And they are so close and he leans on her and tells her so much. So I've been able to see it as a blessing that my son has so much diversity and so many contacts in his life because I didn't remarry. And I think that's pretty cool too. Now, why do you feel like, and I'm going to relate this to business. Why do you feel like I I see it firsthand that individuals are scared to kind of give or ask for help, right? Is it just an ego thing? Do you think? I'm curious to to know what you think on this. I don't don't because I've been afraid to ask for help for me personally. and, And of course, there's different reasons for everyone. For some people, maybe it is ego. For me, it was fear of being found out. And what I mean by that is, say you're in a job, you're in corporate America, maybe you just got promoted and you're second guessing yourself. Am I going to do a great job? Am I good enough to even have this job? You know, that fraud mindset comes in. Now the idea of asking for help, holy cow. And again, this is my old way of thinking. I would think, I can't expose myself that I don't know. What if they want to demote me? What if I don't get the next opportunity? What if I can't get the next raise because they think she can't figure it out? You know what? I'm just going to put my head down and I'll work you know, twice as hard as everyone else and I'll figure something out. That's how I operated for a long time. So I definitely don't think ego is the only issue that could keep someone from asking for help. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, what are you most proud of that people may not know about you? Oh my gosh, for sure, all day long, my son. You know, they're number one. My son is 12 years old. He's thriving. He just started middle school. It's this huge change for him. And so many people had told me that middle school is the worst time for kids and they're not going to adjust. And within one week, I, my son was thriving, new friends, excited to go to school. And it was just such an exciting thing for me to see. He's also learned from me that, you know, truly, he see me hit rock bottom with getting fired and then reboot and build my company over the past two years. He's been there, you know, the majority of the time with me and he's cheered me on. One day he saw Sheryl Sandberg's book, option B or plan B on the table. And he said, mom, why would you have this? I said, oh, honey, it's a book someone suggested I read. He said, you don't need a plan B. We need to throw this out. And he's just been this cheerleader by my side. But what I've realized is I'm teaching him that that's exactly how he should invest in himself and believe in himself. And it's teaching him, you don't have to go to corporate America to find success. You can make success look any way that you want. That is so freaking awesome that he already has that mindset. So I give you so much credit for helping instill that within him. And this might be a loaded question, but on top of the few things we've already talked about, what has being a mother taught you? Oh my gosh, empathy. Uh, You know, I used to 
I've led sales teams for the majority of my career and I used to be tougher on people. I wouldn't understand why anyone would ever want to leave work a little early, you know, to catch a game or something. Once I had a child, it was literally like getting hit over the head with a frying pan. Immediately you're thrust into this new role. You have no training, but immediately I had that vision. Holy cow, this person needs me. I'm responsible for them. No wonder why people were worried about their kids or taking a phone call from kids. I didn't understand it. I hadn't had the experience and I never stepped back enough to try to gain that perspective or understanding. So it made me a more relatable, understanding leader for sure, as well as it changed the conversation I would have with people when I met clients. I'd always ask about their family now because I understood the importance of it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what was the best piece of advice you've ever received and who gave it to you? Oh my gosh. There's not only one deal, one guy, one relationship, you know, believe in yourself and keep moving ahead. Sometimes, you know, desperate is so unattractive and in a negotiation in business or in personal life, the person that cares the less that has the least amount to lose is the person that has all the power. So when you understand that, you know, you go into a negotiation, if you're desperate for that deal, they're going to shred you. They're going to push you much further beyond, you know, what a fair deal is. So you need to go into a negotiation or any situation saying, you know what, if it doesn't work out, it's not meant to be, there's going to be another deal or another opportunity. And I'm confident I'll find it. On the topic of advice, what's a piece of advice you didn't want to hear when it was given to you, but it proved to be true over time? Oh my gosh. This, I don't know why this popped into my head. Uh, when I was younger, I was at my sister's graduation party. We were at a very nice restaurant and everyone was dressed up. And I was so loud back then. I was in my early 20s and I would vie for attention because I was very insecure. I didn't acknowledge it at the time. I just would say, I'm just loud. That's the way it is. But now that I look back, I was trying to get attention because I wanted people to notice me because I didn't feel great about myself. And I'll never forget a woman from the table to the side of us walked over very politely and she said, excuse me, can I slip you this note, please? And I thought, oh gosh, what is this going to be? And the note was so sweet. And it said, you are such a beautiful young lady with so much going for you. You don't need to be quite as loud as you are being this evening. And I didn't know the woman, you know, I was being obnoxious and who knows what I was saying, but it was obviously impacting her meal and her table next to us. And I, I was not in a place back then where I was willing to hear that and, and thank her and, and try to be a bit more quiet for the restaurant, I you know, probably made myself you know, become even louder. But I definitely wasn't willing to look inward at that time in my life. And that changed dramatically over the next 10 years. Interesting. So when was it exactly that you did start to take that advice seriously? Was, was it when you transitioned out of corporate? Was it when you were in corporate? No, no, much yeah, back in corporate. So really you know, having my son was the most massive change and realizing that I wanted him to have a better life than I had. So if I wanted that to happen, I had to start working on me making better decisions and thinking differently, you know, because on the outside back then people would have said I was so successful and making so much money and living in a high rise on the ocean and blah, blah, blah. And I used to look at my life that way too. 
But when he came into my life, I realized this is much bigger than me now. I, I've really got to start putting some work in. And, and for that next decade, from the time I was 30 to 40, I really worked on myself. I, I did hypnosis. I put myself out there and took a stand-up comedy class. I saw a therapist. You know, I, I really jumped into the self-development world. I read books all the time about it. And I immersed myself in it so that I could teach myself what I needed to do to be the best version of myself. Change always starts with us. Now I'm curious, how much do you feel that stand-up comedy class has helped with your public speaking? Probably not much. And, and I'll tell you why. And, and I'm not trying to discourage other people from not doing it because my issue is a different issue. I had, as I mentioned, I saw a hypnotherapist and when I got divorced to help me get through subconscious issues. And I know some people think that's weird. For me, it worked amazing. Different things work for different people. The guy became a friend of mine, really nice guy and local guy here in Miami. And one day Todd said to me, what's, I ran into him somewhere and he said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I feel like I'm stuck. I don't know what's wrong with me. And he said, really, why don't you try something totally out of your wheelhouse? And I said, okay, like what? And he said, why don't you take a stand-up comedy class? And I gave him this vile look, like, are you crazy? I'm not doing that. And when I looked at him like that, he said, bingo, that's what you're meant to do. And I said, why? He said, Heather, if I had said something and you didn't have a reaction, it wouldn't be enough out of your comfort zone or your familiar zone. So yes, that's what you have to do. Do it. And, and he was someone I trusted. So of course I recruited a friend and we did it. And it was so weird and so uncomfortable. But at that point in time, I had been speaking, you know, for my entire career in corporate America as a sales leader, you always speak to teams, conferences, travel for client events. I had been speaking forever. For me, what it taught me was when people got up on the stage in this class, people struggled so much just to stand up and talk. And for me, it came so natural. I had been doing it again for a long time. So it makes sense. It came natural to me. But that class is what taught me, wow, you know, stepping into my superpower makes a lot of sense. I should spend more every time. I should take every speaking engagement I get. I feel so strong up there. And I realize it's not a superpower for everyone. And that got me to start speaking for charities, which opened up a whole new world of contacts and opportunities and emceeing events. And all these things were happening while I was still back in corporate America. So it was sort of that writing on the wall for where I was going, even though I didn't know where I was going yet. Interesting. Listen, unexpected results. I love that. Now, last question for you, Heather. If people that came in contact with you, whether they're friends, family, people you speak in front of, whomever, if they could only remember you for one thing, what would it be and why? That confidence is something you can create. And in any moment, you are either creating confidence or chipping away at it. And for me, that's because I didn't know that when I was younger. And it's such a blessing to understand that and start implementing it for yourself to have that potential and become that strongest version of you. I love it. Now, I think a great start would be for individuals to get your books. So I would love to know where can people get the book? Where could they check out your podcast, projects, social media, all that good stuff? Okay, so my book is called Confidence Creator. It's on Amazon. I have a Kindle version, paperback, hardcover. You can get it on Audible. And yes, I narrate the book and I'm so proud of it. I, I love my Audible version. It's so cool. Then I have, I launched a podcast called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. It's doing really, really well. And I would love it if you'd listen. 
I've had so many great guests like Gary B, Jesse Itzler, Caitlin Bristow, so many amazing people dropping mad knowledge, which has been fantastic. And my site is heathermonahan.com and I'm on social at Heather Monahan. Love it. Thank you so much, Heather. Really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I appreciate it. And there you have it from Heather herself. Now, what an incredible individual who just hopped on here and blessed us with the whole ton of value, insights, experiences, knowledge, wisdom, all of that good stuff. She dropped here on Decoding Success. And you wanna know what? She's doing the same exact thing on her social channels, on her podcast, in her book. So I wanna make sure that you're connecting with her. You can find all of her social links, all of her podcast links, all of her book links, all things of that nature in the show notes of this episode to make it super easy for you if you haven't already followed her while she was dropping all that value throughout this podcast episode. So Heather, shout out to you for hopping on here and having your success decoded because we truly do appreciate it. Now, as always, we like to dissect the episode and it gets harder and harder each time we do this, but I found three points that Heather made that really struck a chord or rang bells. And those three points, we're gonna start with this one. If you are not selling, you are being sold. And I absolutely love the example that Heather gave. Now, she kind of talked about, you know, if you're in a post office or something, you need to get a package off and they're saying, hey, well, you missed the deadline. Well, the thing is you just were sold, right? You were sold, but if you flip it and you're the one that sells, you can start to convey the message as to why it's so important for you to get this off, whether you're trying to get it to a client for your deadline or you know you're sending something out to a family member who really needs it whatever the case is right just remember that if you aren't selling you're being sold too and it's not necessarily always about being on offense and defense it's not really about that it's just the fact that you can create more opportunity in your life when you have that mindset of sell 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 and it's not sell 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 to profit 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 you know you could be of value to other people while selling you know it, it really comes down to understanding that sales itself isn't a bad thing and I think that's something that's often conveyed in just the general context you know people are like oh I don't want to be a salesman or I don't want to be sold to well you know switch your mindset on that I think it's really important to switch your mindset on that and I think Heather will drop some great insights and value as to why you should flip your mind or flip the switch and change your mindset on that particular subject secondly we were talking about Heather kind of cutting out some, you know, rotten roots um, from her circle. And I think that she realized when she left corporate that, you know, she was really like cutting off something that was um, essentially spreading decay in her life. And I think that point was conveyed to me in a way that made me want to realize or made me come to the realization that we need to continuously audit our environments, right? We need to understand who's serving us and who is dragging us down because you can have someone in your life for 20 plus years and you know they're your best friend but at the end of the day they're really holding you back or being unsupportive or criticizing you and you know we just become numb to it in a way so I'm just going to convey the message like this. Make sure you're auditing your environment. Audit your circle. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because I'm not going to say the cliche saying, but we, we all know that we're a product of our environment and we need to make sure that our environment is serving us and not holding us back or dragging us down. I think that's super important. and I'm really grateful Heather brought that up. Now, lastly, the third point, and it was really hard to only pick three, but the third point is something that I may have 
have or maybe still am guilty of and I want you to kind of come to the realization to identify if this is something that you're guilty of or if you once were in the past. So we started talking about ego and things of that nature from holding us back when it comes to asking for help and things of that nature but Heather brought up a point that you know she experienced in her life and it was really kind of around the the topic of dropping the fear of not knowing right we don't necessarily want people to know that we may not know this or know that and i realized that wow you know like i definitely operated out of that state for however long you know and i'm not saying it's something that i do on a daily basis but there are definitely times where i will feel maybe ashamed if i don't know something or maybe i question myself for not knowing it and i'm you know getting in my own head i just want you to know that it's okay to ask questions and this may be cliche as well but no question is really dumb and i've asked some quote unquote things that i or questions that i would have considered dumb but if i didn't get the answer to those things then i would have made a mistake and i think making the mistake is not necessarily a bad thing but if it can be avoided by asking a question then fucking ask it like literally ask it there's no reason to feel any shame or any guilt for asking a question to be able to perform at a higher level and if you're in business or if you're trying to level up or grow in some way shape or form and you need the answer to something and you know you feel that a shame creeping in or that self-doubt for for wanting to ask a question or you know maybe it is egotistical for you you know at the end of the day just drop the fear of not knowing and continuously push forward because listen it's gonna help you grow I promise you that now again I'm gonna repeat those three points just because these really hit home for me and I want to make sure that we spur some conversation around social uh, social topics on these three topics so number one if you are not selling you're being sold i would love to know how you feel about that so make sure you're tweeting me make sure you're dming me on the gram whatever the case is would love to hear your opinion on that secondly i want you to make sure that you're auditing your environment how do you feel about that how often do you audit your environment is it a three-month process a six-month process maybe you do it every year i would love to know your process for making sure that you're surrounded by greatness day in and day out and lastly dropping the fear of not knowing i want to know do you have fear when it comes to not knowing something or are you someone that you know don't care and you'll just ask right it's like hey like i need to know this what's up you know the answer tell me you know so i would love to spur some topical conversation around those points let's talk make sure you're hitting me up on social you can find all of my social links in the show notes of this episode if we are not already connected again i want to give a huge shout out to our partners jen m and audible listen actually another point if you are looking to pick up heather's book you actually have the opportunity to get your copy for free through our partnership here at Decoding Success with Audible. Heather personally narrated her audiobook, and if you grab it on Audible through our partnership, you can get that book for free 99. All you have to do is head over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success. You can find the link in the show notes of this episode one last time. So again, shout out to Jen M, shout out to Audible, and shout out to Heather Monahan for hopping on here and adding a ton of value. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.